0: Contrology, the Pilates method, the method, the work—however you want to describe it—it is the brainchild of German creator and inventor, Joe Pilates. Hello, everyone. I'm Darian Gold. Thanks for joining us on All Things Pilates. You know, maybe there is something to this idea of six degrees of separation. My guest today, Roberta Kirschenbaum, and I, and Joe Pilates, walked the same streets in New York City and actually climbed the same stairs in the now famed building 939 8th Avenue. Without being aware of each other, Roberta and I both took dance classes on the second floor at Clark Center, not knowing that on the same floor, Joe Pilates once had his first and only Contrology gym. It was during a ballet class in 1984 when Roberta first heard about Carola Trier, one of Joe Pilates' disciples. Roberta had injured her back, and the studio manager suggested she go see Corolla. At that time, Roberta couldn't afford Pilates classes and was able to heal herself. But the buzz around the Pilates method intrigued her, and eventually she began studying with Corolla. Roberta's story gets much more interesting. In 2005, she returned to 9398th Avenue not as a dancer, but as a Pilates studio owner. And incredibly, these last 16 years has taught the Contrology system in Joe's original space. I'm very excited to have Roberta here to put a cap on Season 3 and to hear how she's helping to keep Joe's method alive. Hello, Roberta. Welcome to All Things Pilates.
1: Hi, Darian. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak to your listeners and the world about my Pilates journey.
0: I love it. Thank you. Okay, so Carola Trier, she was really well known in the dance community. What was it like to work with her as your first of the elders, correct?
1: Correct. What was she like? Well my first impression of Corolla was going up to her apartment and this tiny four for 10, 70 odd year old woman answers the door in her little ballet outfit and ballet shoes and little ballet skirt. And as soon as I looked down at this woman and I'm only five foot two, I didn't have to look down that far. (laughs) um, I just was my, I was just taken aback and impressed by her right away, her friendly attitude. And I had to come into the studio and first I had to sit down on a bench for about 15 or 20 minutes and just watch what was going on in the studio before she paid attention to me or you know, came, came to me. And while I was sitting on that bench, I knew that Carola was watching me as I was watching what was going on in the studio. And as I was in the studio watching a professional dancer, work, work working next to a professional businessman, next to a professional businesswoman or housewife of all different ages, I just knew right then and there that this was what I was going to do for the rest of my life.
0: How many people were in the studio?
1: Um, I would say about three, and one other teacher. Three reformers? She had, yeah, I believe she had three reformers and two Cadillacs, an armchair, an electric chair, and a bench mat. Yes.
0: Where did she take
1: you first? Well, first, Corolla. she had this rolling mirror. And she would roll, roll this mirror into a certain place. And you stood in front of this mirror and you looked at yourself and she looked at you and she went through this whole posture analysis of your body in front of this mirror. That's how it began. Were you
0: shocked to see what you saw or were you curious?
1: Uh, it Freaked out? It, it was more of like, I was at, I was at a theater event. I was at a dance concert. You know, I was just open and willing and whatever she did. Okay. You know, yes. And I understood everything. Of course I didn't have, I didn't really have any injuries per se when I started Pilates. So I basically had, good posture to begin with having been a dancer since I was four years old and so I didn't really go to Pilates for an injury it was more curiosity that sent me there so she knew you were a dancer yes she could tell
0: yes (laughs) yes of course of course ballet yes all day long and that lesson changed your life I'm
1: sure well, well, that was my intro. And then it was, okay, here's your, you know, let's get moving. And um, Did she
0: remind you of other ballet teachers? Or was she more like Joe Pilates in terms of that strict, very firm
1: approach? Well, I never had the pleasure of, of meeting Joe personally. So I can't attest from what we've to heard. his personality from what we've, what we've heard. And Corolla Is was very charming. Understand that her Pilates studio was in her home. So there was a different invitation. You were coming into her home. And she's a very gracious host as well. You know, every morning when I eventually did start working for her, we would always have, she would always make tea and get you some, Fattening dessert from Greenberg's Breakery downstairs. Oh my god. <laughs> she At did it right. Around. <laughs> yes. <sighs> so, yes, <yeah>, so <clears throat> she was my first experience. And being that it was in her home, it was definitely a different experience when later on I had gone to Romana's studio and, and, and Naja and Kathy, each one had their own personality studio. Speaking of the other
0: elders, how did you actually find out about Romana, Kathy, Naja?
1: Through Carolla. Um, You know, I started working for Corolla. My first um, introduction to Corolla was in April of 1984. Um, I had just gotten my tax return. So now I could afford the $17 an hour that she was charging. And. Deborah Lesson was working there as well, and Deborah Lesson was leaving that July to open up her Green Street studio and so there became a position that where I could apprentice and and be a teacher, which I asked Carola to now at that time, Carola closed every summer. she closed from July fourth until Labor Day so. I was just new to Pilates and only done two months of it, and Carola accepted my request to work for her come that following September. So Carola said, well, over the summer, I'd like you to go study with Ramana and Kathy and you need to you know see what they have to offer as well, and which I did. Naja, I found out through somebody else. Naja, I did not find out through Corolla. Naja Corey. Naja, I found out through a friend of my boyfriend at the time, who was going to Naja. And when she found out I started Pilates, she's like, "Oh, you have to go to Naja." So I included Naja as well. So those three women were my major influence in New York. Three or four. Well, Corolla, Ramana kathy and nausea let well, say yes besides Corolla, Corolla was number one and okay then, and then it was Ramana and kathy and nausea what were the
0: biggest differences that or similarities between those four women anything stand out uh their personality
1: <laughs> each one is a d- different unique unique personality um, the work was basically the same in all of them. So it was a commonality thread that made it easy to work with each of these people. But just the manner in which they revealed the work. I could talk a lot really about Corolla, but post-Corolla, Ramana was very, was about move. You know, you move. Kathy was move and think of what your body, very, very particular about balancing your muscles. Nausea was even more nitty-picky about where your foot was placed, where this was placed, and um, various other things. And each had a particular dress code, oh, which was like common. Corolla, no jewelry was allowed. She would have these little pouches and everybody would put all their jewelry in this pouch. Which would then be locked up in the dressing room in the back. Kathy, well, you all had to have a towel. She was teaching at NYU at that time, and also with Corolla, you were not allowed to have any hairpins. Um, just something soft. Um, let's see, and um, and with Naja, we had to wear only white leotards with no tights oh god you had to see your you had to deal with your body what it looked like in that mirror oh my and no perfume you cannot wear any perfume with nausea as well and then romana romana you can wear anything you want romana's romana was the the biggest commercial kind of studio nausea studio was also she lived and worked in the same place when i met her Naja was the first one to open up in Bendel's before Kathy Grant took it over from Naja, and then Naja worked out of her apartment on Fifty Fifth Street. Kathy worked in a very small space, um, part of NYU, uh, the Tisch School of the Arts, and so Romano was the the biggest, you know, the biggest commercial studio. So it was a lot. It was, it was a lot busier a lot more activity, a lot of teachers around, and a lot of noise. Corolla and Kathy and Naja were much more peaceful, quiet, kind of like I call the a Pilates boutique studio rather than a mega studio. In the mid eighties, is
0: Romana already at Drago's gym? Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, no, actually, I, uh, no, no, no. Actually, no, she was on she had a studio on Fifty Sixth Street for a while. She was somewhere else before she went to Drago's. So I was on her studio on Fifty Sixth Street before she had officially then moved over to Drago's.
0: Wasn't Drago's on Fifty Sixth and Sixth? I or thought 7th? it was on
1: Fifty Seventh
0: and Sixth Avenue. Oh, okay, okay. So she she moved up one block. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which of the elders did you resonate with the most?
1: Oh. All of them. I mean, I I mean I was, you know, this was my journey. You know, each one of them, I learned more about my own body, my own capabilities, my limitations, my things I could flourish in. I mean, each one offered something different, but variations on the same thing. And I think I had a, a different, unique relationship with all of them. That's beautiful.
0: I have a question I've been wondering about because I was only privileged to work with Romana not none of the others. Jay Grimes, of course, but, um, Romana was, was, um, my biggest influence. And so we were always under the impression that we are referred to as second generation. Do you have thoughts about what second generation really means?
1: Um, well, yes, second generation generally would be that I would I would a student with those who studied with Joe in terms of what were called elders, although we can go into that whole discussion. Most of my teachers had studied with Joe for more than ten years. I mean, they are the true elders. They were around Joe a long time. So in terms of second generation teachers, I also was around these women, even though I was teaching, I was still studying with Kathy and nausea along the way as well, while I was teaching for Corolla. So second generation means that we studied with people who studied with Joe. Although, let me be clear that I do consider an elder as one who has studied with Joe Pilates for more than 10 years.
0: Well, would you say that then, would that mean the same for second generation? So, I worked with Ramana way more than 10 years. But what happens if someone worked with nausea for a year, would they be considered second generation?
1: I suppose so, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you are, you know, if you're teaching, of course, not just a second generation student, but uh, I guess you can use that. I think it's more for, I don't know, lineage purpose, political purposes, accreditation that people want to put at the ends of their name. But now in the history of Pilates, you know, being a second generation teacher. Does it still have the same cachet or the same? You know? People still use the name. I could say politically, yes and no. <laughs> you know what? What does a second generation teacher mean? I mean, for the likes of myself, like me and the people of my group through Corolla, Jillian Hessel, Deborah Lesson, Jennifer Stacy. You know, they have worked with these elders for for quite some time. Now, some people can say. You know, they're a second generation, it looks good on their memory, on their resume, and you think that they know more. But there is no rules and regulations as to what does it mean to be a second generation? What does it mean to be a disciple? You know, all these, all these coin words are out there to, to give credibility to the person who has a studio and wants to be a teacher. It's loosely defined.
0: Right. It's something that I've uh, always wondered about and whether or not it had any validity in this day and age.
1: Yes. But for anybody now to call themselves a second generation teacher is not the same of of when that was. And I, and I think that whole lineage sort of came about when the PMA started. And so it was, they wanted to make this chronological order to give a history and a, and a purpose so that people would understand how the work was passed down because originally the work was passed down you know word of mouth i mean you you were there there weren't training programs there weren't books on the method so it was an oral transmission yes
0: i think ramana i think i remember her saying that they never had pencil and paper, as you put it. They never had anything. They just
1: learned by watching. And That's doing. it. You learn body by body by body. Not only as a teacher are you learning body by body for the every client that comes to see you, but you're also it's also your journey too. I mean, I'm still a student. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm a teacher and and still a student. Let me ask you. At what point did you
0: decide to transition from your dance career into teaching pilates?
1: Well, I'm not sure if it wasn't at first that I decided to to uh, go to pilates. Pilates came to me. Okay? Okay. I didn't I didn't seek out to do that. I knew that as a dancer that I There's knew, a shelf life. Yes. And there and I was always a good dancer but not a great dancer, so I never got into a company that was able to pay my rent. So I always, I was a professional waitress. <laughs> and I knew as- I bet you, I bet you were a fun waitress though. <laughs> I was. <laughs> lots of stories there too. Uh, lots, you learn a lot of psychology about people from being For a waitress. Sure. <laughs> and that's also part of become, being a Pilates teacher as well. I mean, you're dealing with someone's body, but therefore you're dealing with what's going on. In their lives as well. So that was also an excellent education for me. But as I was getting older, I knew that I didn't want to be waiting on tables when I was 40. And what was I going to do? I thought about going to physical therapy school and I had taken some of the prerequisites to get into physical therapy school. Um, But then Pilates came my way. You know, I had three Funny incidences that forced me to do Pilates. The first one, as you mentioned earlier, in, in um, 1984 or so, I was in a ballet class at Clark Center. I injured my back in an eight o'clock ballet class during oh my the first goodness. Pl- quarter, that is so early. <laughs> and I hobbled over to Louie, Louise Roberts' office, who was then the director of Clark Center, who, by the way, was also responsible for taking care of Clara Pilates after Joe Pilates passed away. Just a little Hmm. background, Clark Center, before it was Clark Center Dance Studio, was where Joe Pilates had his studio amongst other apartments in the back where Bruce King lived and um, one of his teachers, Hannah. And after Joe died, Clara lived for about another 10 years or so. And Louise Roberts helped to take of her there. That's beautiful. So I heard about Pilates then, as, as I mentioned, but I didn't do Pilates then because I just went home, took a bath in Epsom salt, and then I was back dancing the next day. My dancing partner at that time bought me the first Pilates book, and he had written in the inscription, Go for it. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I still had no idea what he was talking about. And by this time, I was a glorified waitress in a hotel and room service. So every night on the phone, it would be good evening room service, may I help you? And for quite a few months I talked to a visiting editor from Vanity magazine, Vanity Fair magazine from England. And after him talking to me every night, offering his dinner one night, he said to me, Well, Roberta, what else do you do? Is this all you do? Is room service? And I said, No. You know, I danced during the day. And he said, Oh, you gotta go to Corolla Trier. Oh. So it was like, it was like okay, three times people have mentioned Corolla Trier and Pilates to me. And I said, okay, I'm surrendering, I'm not in charge. Let me go find out what this is about. And that's what how I got to Pilates with Corolla as I mentioned earlier. And as soon as I met Corolla and saw what was going on in the studio, my prayers had been answered. This is what I was gonna do for yes. the rest of my yes. life.
0: The Pilates book, that's the one with uh, Philip and Gail? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I have that one. Did you ever go through a certification
1: program? No, there wasn't, there wasn't such a thing as that. You know, you, I considered myself an apprentice. Sure. And a teacher. And as it says, you learn body by body. I learned great things from Corolla in terms of how to see the body and how to touch the body. So important. And you never did an exercise on a client without Corolla's permission. There was the, an order, but if I was working with a client and I felt like, oh, I wanna do knee stretches on this client, but I would always ask Corolla, Corolla, is this client ready to do knee stretches? Can, And then Corolla would always come over and align the client and teach the knee stretches with me there so I could see what she's doing and so then I could continue putting that the knee stretches into the program later. And fabulous. It's so re- repetitive and then on your own thing it's so repetitive which is so wonderful that you eventually get to memorize the exercises. The next key is being able to put it properly on the client in front of you. Yes. That is difficult to teach. Absolutely. to practice. So no, there were no written certification programs. The first one was created, um, which I took with Romana in about 1990. That was the first. And even though I had already been teaching for six years, I took that program too. Now they put it in a book. You had pictures. You had explanations. Right. And it was just... Another repeat and refresher, a refresher, and um, and 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 that program I that program I did.
0: I think you were maybe four years ahead of me then. I started in ninety four, I believe. In ninety four, right? So you're you were in her program. I started in in eighty four, right? Oh, in ninety, right? I started. I my first Pilates lesson was in. Ninety-two. Okay. With a dancer and by a dancer. So we all got it right away. Now, here we come to the part that is so remarkable, so astounding. And when I heard about this from our lovely Jennifer Stacy, who's no longer with us in body, but she is with us in spirit. I do believe she brought us together.
1: Absolutely. Well, first, let's let's give let's give a mention to Jennifer. Yes, okay. please. Okay, Jennifer please. is was, and it saddens me to say was, a remarkable teacher student. Trained with Ramana and um, and Kathy and Eve Gentry and many people kept Ron immaculate Fletcher. notes. Ron Fletcher, um, and I don't think jennifer ever fully got her her fame as as well as very humble and very kind yes and and um excellent teacher i'm very fortunate to have her as one of my peers and and friends yes. for all this time so yes her spirit with is with us right now
0: and she is the one that told me about you and mm. that you were in joe's original space I said, what? That's unbelievable. She has to be on my podcast. I have to talk to her. <laughs> and Jennifer said, oh, you'd really like her. She needs to come on to your radio show when, when I still had my radio show. You, in 2005, how did that actually happen? So it's 2005. What is happening that you happen to know that there's a sign in the building Um, an apartment for rent. How did that work out?
1: Well, first, first, let me just go a little back bit back on, on some history. Okay. So in 1984, I started, you know, with Corolla and from then, as I mentioned, I studied with, you know, went to Romana, went to Kathy, went to Naja. And when Corolla was getting ready to retire, I wanted to open up my own studio. And you felt ready. I've f- ready enough. You know <laughs> And whose apparatus? Whose apparatus? I didn't well that even wasn't the issue yet. I mean whether whether I would get Corolla's apparatus, who knew or who she was going to give it to, you know, that wasn't an issue. I mean Graz was around, so getting equipment I would have gotten it probably through Graz. And Adelio Ferraro, who was a teacher with me also at Corolla's, he was a former ballet dancer as well, and he taught at Carolla's for many years. When Corolla had retired, he opened up a small studio in his apartment. First, what happened was I wanted to open up my own studio, and I couldn't get any backing from family or non-family because they didn't know what Pilates was. They was like, Pilates, what's that? that's a fad. Exactly. We What's that? We don't know what that is. Okay. So I went to Columbia University Teachers College to get a degree in exercise physiology, minoring in dance education, so that I would have the credentials to say, okay, now I have the credentials. Can, can you now back me in a studio? <laughs> oh, smart girl. <laughs> and I was going to open up my studio with Kimberly Dye, who many of you might or might not know her, but she invented the stretch ease band, which is a wonderful aid to get people to understand how to work their body. And I use it constantly with my clients, which helps them really get into the Pilates spinal work and et cetera, et cetera. And then I said, you know, so I got this master's degree and, um, which is also how I, where I met Irene Dowd and Marika Molnar, both these two incredible, brilliant anatomists, therapists, teachers. And I started studying, of course, with, with both of them, you know, wherever I could. So I got this master's degree and then... While I was doing my paper, was my final paper for my master's degree, was where I met, you know, Marika Molnar. Because I did my paper comparing a Pilates exercise regime as opposed to what was being offered in the physical therapy setting, and it was because of Marika that I became a reflexologist in 1989. I didn't know what reflexology was either, but Marika said, "Do you know of any reflexologists?" And I said. No, Marika, what is that? And when she explained <laughs> to me what it was, I said, great. And this is something I can do on Dance is great. The next thing I was enrolled in a reflexology school. And then, of course, then the AIDS crisis hit New York and Adilio, who also is no longer with us, succumbed to the AIDS crisis and passed away. And before he did, he gave me all of his equipment, oh. which I then then put into my living room in my apartment. Wow. So for 15 years or so, I taught Pilates out of my apartment. And then when Marika had asked me to kind of work, you know, with the dancers in the therapy room, I couldn't because I didn't have a license. So I went to massage school in 1996 (laughs) so I can get a massage license so that I can practice the reflexology, and of course, then then massage too. The reflexology has always been my, my specialty. Another little side note is because remember, we're talking about posture, how you stand on your feet yes, is going to determine the rest of the body. And that's a lot that I got from Corolla. Oh. You do your posture analysis, a lot about where your feet are will oh. determine the legs in your muscles, up yes. your hips up yes. your spine, etc. So I got my massage license and then Marika was able to hire me at New York City Ballet. And I worked for them for six years. And that's how I really got to work with incredible dancers, of course, in my apartment. What, you know, life was perfect. <laughs> um, and, and very simple, you know, so I was very happy you know, during during those years. But then it came to a point where one day I went to get my hair done and my hairdresser is on <laughs> 53rd Street and 9th Avenue. So I always walk down, get off the subway at Columbus Circle and walk down 8th Avenue. And every time I pass 939 8th Avenue, I'd always reflect on my dance days by now, Clark center, right? Clark center. By now I had heard, I had known that before it was Clark center, it was Joe Pilates contrology gym. And one day in 2004, I was just walking down the street and I saw a sign in the window that said space for rent, not knowing exactly what it was, but my body started to shake. And after talking with my hairdresser, I decided, oh, let me just call this number and see what it was. And as soon as I walked into the space, which actually was my ballet classroom and also Joe Pilati's space or on that floor, and you know, we can go into that. It was the back of his studio? Yeah, there's, there's some, you know, when Romana came to visit the studio when I opened, she said, oh oh, this was this this part was his living room. I and mean, when Kathy Grant said, oh, you know, this part was where he took private people back to work on their particular issues. And remember, there were two fires in that space during Joe's tenure there. So things had moved around. Most of the pictures that we see of Joe, he's facing, his studio is in the front facing 8th Avenue. But things had constantly moved, so... Whether he was in my space in the early 20s, I mean, you know, the late 20s and 30s and 40s before he moved to the front of the building, however it is, his spirit walks that floor. (laughs) And there there was only one bathroom on that floor. Oh, my. So if you, you live there and you work there, it was a very unique building that housed artists. It was called the Van Dyke Studios. Oh. And it was one of the few buildings in New York that gave the tenant both a commercial and residential lease because the artist couldn't afford to spend a place to live, plus go rent another place to do their artwork or to do their dance work. So it was a very unique building filled with all kinds of artists, musicians, dancers, singers, you know all through the year. So it's definitely a, a a building that just houses all kinds of wonderful spiritual history. Okay, so this is in 2005 when this happened. That I opened. Well, it was in 2004 and then it took time to renovate. So I officially opened on Super Bowl Sunday in February 2005. That's unforgettable. That's unforgettable because a lot of friends couldn't come to the opening party because (laughs) because they the football game. You're watching the Super Bowl. Bowl. (laughs) Lisa, how fortuitous,
0: though. You're going to get your hair done, right? And then you look at 939 8th Avenue, and then you see a sign that says for rent, and you get the chills. You know that's coming from spirit.
1: Yes. Well, it's just like everything that's happened in my life. Things present themselves on a plate, whether you the recipient, whether you take from it and go for it is fine. I didn't know where, what I was going to be doing in my future, just being a dancer and a, and a waitress. So all these things that came to me, I felt were coming to me for a reason. And if I didn't know much about it, I just pursued it. And And every one of those, I was open and every one of those paths, all my education, all my continuing education, it, it was there. So I just, I just went for it and very happy. Do you,
0: do you have, or do you feel a sense of responsibility for continuing his legacy, especially because you're right
1: there? Well, Absolutely. As, as I say, if you remember in those uh, hot dog Hebrew national (laughs) commercials, you know, we answer to a higher authority. I mean, I have (laughs) a response, you know, I have a responsibility to the people who believed in me, who gave me the, you know, my family, who put me into business Had to answer to them to prove my worth. But basically it was, I was like, Why me? Why did I get this space? This space of Joe's had been available for more than five years. So I wonder what it was before. It was, um, it It wasn't Clark Center. No, that was when Clark Clark Center had moved into the 40s. Right. And I think it became a ballroom dance place because when I got into the space, there were all these heel marks. well foot drawn you know like where you step for ballroom dancing they already they had it like painted on the floor you know certain (laughs) dance moves and stuff and then it became a um just also just a rental studio because there's a, a, a place called ripley greer studios which is very well known in the acting and dance world people just rent space all kinds of people whether it be dance spiritual music a lot of plays rehearsal so they it was just Rented for whoever. A lot of TV productions were rented there, but it was empty. There was really no, there was no lease on it for five years. Actually, Jimbury, Jimbury had actually gotten that space before I did. Who is this? When I, Jimbury, what it was, it's it's a little, it's a gym for kids. Okay. Okay. And they had actually got got the lease on that place but when i went to see it they were having issues with jimbury and because it's such an old building and the elevator breaks down quite a bit the jimbury people decided not to go that there it's so because, new york so, you know cuz people are coming in with their baby carriages right. and they couldn't afford not to have the elevator now right working. <laughs> so it was a win win because jimbury was able to kind of get out of the lease that they signed because i was ready to take over that space so it was it was a win-win for everybody it's unbelievable and the elevator still breaks down (laughs) so (laughs) i remember those days oh my goodness but another little funny story i just want to bring up about the elevator and kathy grant when i had my opening party kathy grant came and my mother was the greeter at the door and when kathy grant came up through the stairs My mom had recognized her, I had shown her pictures, and my mom said to her, you must be Kathy Grant. And she said, yes, you must be Roberta's mother. (laughs) And she said, yes. And my mother very politely said, you know, Kathy, you know, there's an elevator in the building. And Kathy said, I know, but I wanted to walk up the stairs like I did 50 years ago, Mm. so I would, have that spirit in me when i came into the studio oh it was delightful yeah that's lovely now what
0: about teachers and students coming to your studio now that know of the history what is that like for you especially especially coming from other countries or different parts of america when they step foot into your (laughs) space?
1: Yeah, let me just bring that back just a second to say that um all I ever wanted once I had discovered Pilates was to have a studio like Corolla or Onaja and Kathy on a little bit bigger scale, not as big as Romana, but but something that's all I ever wanted was just to be one thing. And I'm not very good at social media. I'm not very techie <laughs> knowledge and things like that. And, and what brought me to so-called a little bit of fame was that I was in Joseph Pilates space. So people would come from all over the world, just because of the space, not because of me. And, um, and I'm a gracious host as well. <laughs> so, all kinds of reactions. People stand at the door and they actually cry. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe this is where it happened. I mean, I wish I had a candid camera for everybody's reactions when they, when they first come in. And then of course, I try to encourage them to take a class. Not so much that, you know, the studio needs to make money to pay this huge rent that you, that, that, you know, bound to, but just that if you're, If you're in the space of Joe, you owe it to Joe to take a class in his studio. So I have been so fortunate because I'm not a traveler. And especially these days, I don't plan on getting on a plane until at least 2023. So I am very fortunate that New York is just such an epicenter for the world that people have come to me. And I am so grateful for every person from all over the world and all over the country who have come for that reason yes do people ever wonderful. bring you gifts oh my gosh yes <laughs> oh for example especially japanese people japanese you know it may it be something culturalized but as thankful for being there yes i get i get scarves or or food can candies i've gotten ukrainian chocolate covered prunes which is <laughs> <was> very interesting <laughs> you know <laughs> you know little little things like that but mostly everybody comes you know for the for the love of pilates and also most of these teachers that have come are also looking to continue their education
0: can you tell they've been taught well that they understand the method
1: um you know we're all at different levels and it's sometimes hard to judge my peers my generation as i mentioned that you know earlier jennifer and jillian and and deborah my my probably closest relationships we studied a long time even if we were teaching we were still studying so the difference is that you know people are are learning um faster. You can become a Pilates teacher in a year. You know, we didn't have programs in my day. So so it was a longer process before you became a teacher. So yes, many of them know the outside of, of the Pilates. They know the names of the exercises. And right. of course, now, depending on what style of school you're trained from, there are different ways that they approach the work. So that has also been an education for me as well. I'm always understanding, but I will always teach basically what I have, what I've learned because it's worked for me. And now that I am a senior (laughs) citizen, it is still working for me. And all the education work that I've done with Irene Down and Marika Moner to help me understand why the work works. as your body changes, as you age. And so there, it's still working for me, you know, knock on wood. Good. (laughs) You know, things, you know, things, I don't have any physical issues, you know, I mean, just, of course, getting old, (laughs) you know, maturing, you're maturing, (laughs) maturing, (laughs) which I do want to add that this is one of the professions where, your age is in your favor Mm -hmm. you know and as I have found Pilates teachers from around the world are also seeking for more education even though they have been to a particular school they know that's not the end all and those who are seeking the Pilates on their own personal journey besides their teaching journey those are Two separate paths that actually walk walk side by side with each other. Yes, I agree. So it's a very humbling experience to for me to teach anybody, everybody. You know, each body that comes to me is we're detectives. We are like detectives. That's yes, detectives and I like to say they're all like a jigsaw puzzle. Yes. And trying to put all those pieces together to get them to do the work as joe set forth and the way that i was i was taught as well to me has proven its test of time as one of joe's sayings was you will grow old gracefully oh beautiful and i am very thankful and humble for that because you are working for me yes Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: <laughs> Roberta, we are running out of time, and I'm going to ask you to come back because there are so many other questions that we aren't going to get to, really important questions that, for example, we have to we have to discuss when you just touched upon in terms of some of the modern approaches to Joe's work and then the work that we were taught by the elders and why there's such a gap between these two approaches and philosophies, we're going to save that for an another episode. You're absolutely coming back, whether you like it or not. But <laughs> in closing, in speaking of teachers, because we all need to stay students the more we teach, do you have any advice for teachers so they don't get burnt out, that they continue to have a sense of curiosity that they want to keep exploring the work with their students and
1: for themselves. Do you have any advice? Yeah, well first I think, you know, when we when we come back in the in the new year, I need to explain to me what what burnout is. I mean burnout is because you're really tired. Are you burnt out just from physically teaching or are you burnt out because you you're not getting enjoyment out of what you've been teaching anymore. So we really need to define burnout. The only thing I could say, I would say is that, you know, life is always a relationship with yourself. I learned this from Kimberly Dye. The only person you're in competition with is yourself. And if you take care of yourself, you can also take care of others. But I do recommend studying now because of COVID, which has one of the silver linings is that it has brought the virtual Pilates world to life. And there are so many wonderful teachers out there offering their take, you know, it's like the telephone game, you know, you start here and kind of where does it go? And I would say study with everybody, anybody you can, just keep the fret work for yourself, put it on your own body, ingest it in your body, try things on your clients. And I think that will always, you know, that's an important thing is to, is to, is to continue just studying with other people. It's like a news report, you know, there's the news and then there's five different commentators on their opinions of the news. So you listen to them all (laughs) and you, you find what your truth is and what's comfortable, comfortable for you but just continue especially with this virtual world there are so many wonderful people that I will talk about who I personally recommend will recommend that you get with them virtually as much as you can and when travel restrictions allow go have some you know live sessions for yourself as well but just to remember that one of the things that uh, gets to me is that I find that some Pilates teachers are tired of teaching the same routine. Oh, I'm tired of knee stretches, and I'm, I've done this. You know, they want to teach all kinds of fancy, new, different stuff. But there is a great power in repetition. As a dancer, you learn to plié from the age of four, and you're still wanting to correct that simple plié at the age of ninety-four, and you have a reference to grow within repetition. So I would like to say don't get bored with repetition. Okay. Stick some other things in here and there as long as you stay in the Pilates mentality in terms of coordinating your movement with breath and good alignment. But just keep doing it because it's simply difficult or difficultly simple or it's not really it's not really as hard as you think but practice makes perfect and there's, you'll never be perfect. I'll never be perfect. I'll still want to (laughs) still improve that knee stretch or that long stretch or or just the fact that I'm I'm still doing long spine. You know, there's, um, I'm not inhibited still. The work, the work has worked for me and I just would like to be that kind of teacher to help it work for you as well. Hmm, that was beautiful.
0: Anyone listening that just wants you, Roberta, they want you right now. How do they get in touch with you? <laughs> What's the best way?
1: Telepathically. <laughs> yes, telepathically. That's the, the best way. But the best is just generally just email the studio at info at relates.com. And we'll get back to you. And spell it, spell it, so for people. Info and Rolaties, R O L A T E S dot com, Rolates to rhyme with Pilates. Kathy always had a good chuckle of that name, and it was basically named that because, in when I was working with New York City ballet dancers, they their nickname for me was Ro, and they're the ones who coined. Have you done your have you done your rollatis today and ah. giving me, you know, whatever. So it just became a kind of funny thing. And we just decided just to call it Rolates Pilates, although most new people say Rolates Pilates, but it's really Rolates Pilates. But you're
0: following in, in Joe's footsteps there as well, because it was the dancers who said to each other, let's go to Pilates.
1: He was teaching Contrology, right? Yes. And the dancers embraced it because of, because of Balanchine. Right. 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 And I do think dancers do make wonderful Pilates teachers because we have the art of grace. And it's not, and it's about how you move through life and dancers have a. Yes. <laughs> how can you explain it? <laughs>
0: Beauty 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 of movements inner, inner inner beauty yes roberta Kirschenbaum, i can't wait to see you in the new year i can't wait to actually see you in your studio sometime in
1: our lives thank you so much for your time roberta thank you darian and um thanks for all who are listening and keep up the work excellent advice
0: As you are aware, I've been featuring one of my dedicated students for each episode. And for today's show, her name is Rachel Taylor. Rachel is the owner of Rachel Taylor Pilates in England. When asked how the Pilates method has helped her, she says, Pilates has impacted my life not only physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. The minute I tried Pilates, I instantly fell in love with it. Its methodical approach just made sense. I loved how the movements helped my once tight, short body feel lengthened and in a way I had never encountered before. It was as if I had done the biggest yawn and had woken up. By the way, Rachel's studio is slated as the international location for my next workshop, whenever it's safe to do so. Class size will be limited, so please reach out if interested. All Things Pilates is created, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. A reminder for those interested in learning more about the Pilates system, and how the mat and the apparatus relate to each other, I offer monthly apparatus classes for you to continue your Pilates education. For more information, please visit Dariengold.com. Life is about staying open, remain curious, and your life will never be boring. Stay tuned for our Season 3 Highlight Show in a couple of weeks. And as always, thank you so much for supporting and sharing with others all things Pilates.